Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Bailey Hancock here. We are back with another episode of the Bailey Hancock Show. And today, if you've ever thought about getting in the entertainment industry or media or taking a communications role, and you just have no idea how to do that because it feels like a totally different beast than most industries, I have the perfect person for you. So Cassandra Thompson is here. She is a career coach that actually specializes in helping people get jobs in those exact industries. She also does a ton of work with college students and recent college grads. So I'm excited to hear about Cassandra's whole career path getting to where she is today and then get her to give us all of the dirt on how you actually get jobs in this industry. So welcome, Cassandra. Thanks. Hi. So happy to have you here. All right. So let's dive straight in. Did you always know you wanted to be a career coach or did you take a completely different path getting there? Completely different path. That's Um, usually how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I want to know who the person is who at 18 is like, you know what I want to do for a living? Like, I don't think that's a thing. I think they're Um, doctors, but they only are doctors because they're too far in the path. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I started uh, in college. I did a lot of jumping around. I took, I thought I wanted to go into entertainment, but I took one day of film and television and hated it and was like, I don't care about that. I mean, this is back when it was real film and not digital. And it was like, I don't care about edit, like splicing film. And I don't care about what wattage light bulb I want to be on the business side of it. And so I became a business major, loved all my classes, did two internships in the entertainment when I was there. And like side part of this that will come back around is I was also really involved in college. I was involved on campus. I was in uh, leadership. I was the receptionist for admissions. Like I was very in on my college campus and I had a friend who was very involved too. And she said, did you know you can get this thing that's a master's in student affairs and like work at a college? And I went, okay, that sounds really cool. But I've spent my entire, co- I've spent my whopping four years. My entire four years. My entire four years. <laughs> it's too late. Working, it's too late. You can't switch paths. Oh, God. Working towards entertainment. And so always thought that was cool, though, that she did that. She was going to take that path. And I was like, that sounds interesting. Um, but went and worked in entertainment, leveraged my internship, and ended up as marketing assistant at um, Amer- I don't know if I can say it, but America's number one game show. Uh, <laughs> and then ended up in casting for them too, being a contestant um, coordinator. But on that show, I cast them, produced them, booked them for taping, was with them day of, uh, and learned a lot from that. Left- I don't want to come back to that and okay. also give actionable tips on how you get cast on a game show because yes. I've tried four times and nobody wants me. <laughs> I just, I can't see that being true, but okay. Um, Anyway, moving on. So yeah. So did that and like traveled the country doing that. And that was really cool. Um, but started thinking about what else I wanted to do in the industry because it was kind of like, this is good, but I don't want to do this forever. Mm. And kept reading career guides. Like I have read every (laughs) career guide that had come out at that point. Um, 
what color is your parachute? I was going to say, that's like the first one you start with. The classics, all of them. And I think I was really searching for that whole find your passion thing because I think around our age was the beginning of the trend of like, follow your passion instead of just getting a job. And it's terrible. I don't think all of us have one passion. I think, and I feel like everyone has that brother or sister or cousin who did have one passion (laughs) and went for it. And so you think like they found it. I've got to find it. The one. And because I had, you know, worked so long to get into entertainment. It was like, well, I can veer off this a little bit, but it still has to be in entertainment. There's no way I'm going back to school. There's no way I'm changing. Which isn't, aren't you glad that that's not a thing that you have to do to change gears now? You don't have to go back to school. You don't have to actually help you usually. I had to, but you don't always have to. Um, So left there, did two other jobs in entertainment and a couple of like freelance casting jobs. Um, And one of those was so bad that I went, I think I'm done (sighs) and decided to go do the student affairs route because the whole time I had sat there and thought, you know, if I had plan B, if I had option B, if you could go down that other road, I would go do what my friend did. I would go work in student affairs. I would go work with college students because the whole time in my twenties, I would think, They never told me this in college or I never learned this or no one told me this about career. That career guide didn't help me with this thing. And um, in that process, reading all those guides, I realized I'm just really interested in it because a lot of friends I would talk to and I would help them with their resumes and they were not nearly as intrigued (laughs) as I was. Um, But I am not the type that can just throw out the title expert and there's no judgment on the people who can. I just am not that person. Um, I felt like I needed some actual experience helping people in career before doing that. And I thought, well, that pairs perfectly with me wanting to do student affairs because all schools have a career center, Mm -hmm. most of which need a lot of help. Um, And so, and to work in, higher ed in any level, you have to have your master's in student Mm -hmm. affairs. Uh, So I did go back to school and got my master's. And now I've been working at a university full-time in the career center, helping students. And then I also do it on the side. Um, But yes, I agree with you that not everyone needs. In fact, I pride myself that I talk people out of master's degrees. I do too. I have an MBA and anytime I hear somebody say, I don't know what to do next. I think I'm just going to get my MBA. I'm like, what are you doing? That is not an answer. (laughs) I know. I have clients all the time who are like, so I'm just not sure. So, you know, I just don't feel I have figured it out yet. So I'm going to go get a master's in PR. (laughs) First How of all, is the master's you don't need that like to tell you <laughs> what you want to do. And I'm like, interesting. And the interesting part with the master's talk is some, so I feel like how maybe find your passion was the thing for a while. Now I think, um, college students and those just after are getting the message. Well, like your bachelor's isn't enough. Everybody <laughs> needs a master's. Your master's is now like what a bachelor's was. And I'm like, no, it's not. Talk to the people in an industry. Do they have their masters? If they don't have theirs, you don't need yours. And right there, I think, you know, anytime you talk someone out of it, you saved them $100,000. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a, a big pill to swallow when you're not actually using it and getting paid for it either for many years. Right. I've been out of, I got my MBA seven years ago and I don't think a single job I've had since has required it or paid me for it. So yeah. not that I, I didn't learn things in it, I certainly did, but I did it because at the time my company offered to pay for it. And I was like, well, that's yeah. free education. I'll always take that. Yeah. But like I learned how to be really good at group projects and presenting, which yeah. both very valuable skills. Right. Worth $80,000? No. no. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's what I tell people is go get experience. And if your company will pay for it, great. Always. Always. Great. Like even mine, mine was, since it was in higher ed, I chose a school that was tuition remission. Oh, amazing. So my whole thing was free. Wow. And I look at other people in student affairs who went with really expensive programs and I'm like, I don't understand. Don't tell them that it was an option that it paid for. Just don't mention right? it. I'm like, so you could have gone to this other school. Yeah. Oh, well. Yep. Too bad. All right. So now what? So you're in this, you're doing it, you're doing it on the side, you're doing it for recent college grads. What do you hear most often? Like, what is the thing when people come to you? Because I feel like maybe in college you start with the Career Resource Center, but I feel like once you're in your career, to hire a career coach or seek that out Yes. To me, means you've had some trouble, like doing it on your own, or you're just lost, or you just don't know yeah. where to start. So, why do people end up coming to you? What are the biggest reasons? I think some of it is they're lost. Uh, what they've been doing hasn't been working, which a lot of times is I've been applying online and I never hear back. Mm. And to that, I say that is the problem. Um, you can't just apply online for jobs. Um, the advice I give is based on the statistic that 70% of jobs are found through the hidden job market, which means, mm -hmm. right, they were never published or now I think because of a lot of HR policies, you will see jobs on Indeed. You will see jobs on LinkedIn. That doesn't mean the company doesn't already have somebody in mind, right? But for HR rules, they have to say it was open to all. So they mm -hmm. post it and you're applying to stuff that they already know the assistant next door is going to get promoted in that position. So, yeah, you're so it's a losing things, battle. Right. You're applying to things. If you're only applying online, you're applying to things that are already taken a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so 70% of jobs are found through the hidden job market. So basically that means through people, you know, um, so to that, I say, if you were going to job search for 10 hours a week, this is just to do simple math. You might do more than 10 hours. You might do less, but 10 hours a week, Seven of those hours should be networking, meeting with people, sending emails. Three of those hours should be applying online. Mm. Um, and so when I meet with people, it's a lot of figuring out how to spend that the seven hours. Yeah, because yeah, that's what scares people. That's what gives yes. people anxiety. This comes up all the time. They're like, can I just apply online and not ever have to talk to anybody? And I'm like, well, sure, if you don't actually want a job. Exactly. It's like, well, that's the thing. We like things that feel productive and it yes. feels productive to say, I spent, it feels like you can check a box at the end to say, I sent out five applications today instead of the murkiness of, I'm going to meet somebody for coffee and like, we're going to talk, but I don't really know what's going to come of it. and. I think you have to be okay with like being in that murkiness mm. because that's where the jobs actually come from. Yeah. 
No, it's funny. The whole just applying instead of actually doing the hard work, it's kind of just an advanced form of procrastination. It totally reality. Is. It's like, no, but I applied to 150 jobs on yeah. Indeed. Okay. So maybe your resume got seen, what, once, twice. If it did, it was like maybe. obligatory. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yes. It's because you're at a company where they say we look at everybody's, but it yeah. doesn't mean, did they, did they call you in for an interview? No, it doesn't. Really right. Matter. If you're not getting called in for an interview and you're applying to that many jobs and you're qualified for the job, clearly something's broken. Right. So you got to try something else. Yeah. So to me, it's all about helping people figure out who to talk to and how to talk to them. And so, um, I spend a lot of time with people talking about LinkedIn and the amazing tool that that is, and then informational interviewing, um, or what in Hollywood is people getting coffees. You know, we love <laughs> grab to say, drinks. Get, yeah, get drinks, grab coffee. Get okay. Coffee. Let's let's put the Hollywood lens on it. Let's put an yeah. opinion on this because, you know, I talk to a lot of people who have similar advice. They're like, yeah, it's all about your network. It's who you know. It's mm-hmm. getting those informational interviews to learn how you even get into that industry. But with entertainment, I feel like there are so many other rules and unspoken things that you have to do that people just, especially if you're coming in for the first time, have no fucking clue how to start. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, okay, so like this doesn't completely just apply to entertainment, but I think it's really important in entertainment is when you meet people or if you find somebody even more if somebody like hands you a card you meet someone at a party and they say i think i could help you and they give you their card follow up with them like even if you're sitting there going this sounds like the most basic but we all get scared and go oh i don't want to do it and i see how i did this myself back in the day when i was wanting to make a change i was at an at a mixer and somebody owned Okay. Somebody owned a studio in New Mexico, brand new studio in New Mexico. And was like, yeah, we've got some shows going on. Well, no, hold on. So that's, I was kind of like, I don't want to move to New Mexico. And like, okay. He's like, but I'd love to talk with you. You know, I have some ideas. And it was like, what would, I totally ruled it out and went, what would I, what could I do for him? What would that be? And now I realize, well, that's the whole point. If I knew how he could help me, I wouldn't need to meet. True. So like I should have just gone because, hey, what started taping in New Mexico right around that time? Oh, I don't know. A show called Breaking Bad. Like, oh, no, oh, yeah. That's the <laughs> studio he owned. And not to say I would have worked on Breaking Bad. But, but you like, don't know. But you don't know. Yeah. And I just see so much now where, once again, it goes to that murkiness. And it's like, ooh, I don't know how that person will help me. And so... I don't want to, I don't want to look, I think we're all scared of looking stupid. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that even people in entertainment are people. Everybody's just a person. I say this all the time, especially as it relates to feeling out of somebody's league or that they're out of your league with hitting them up for a meeting or something like that, or even just emailing them for the first time. Everybody is somebody's idiot brother or, you know, annoying cousin or stupid sister. Like everybody's just a person. Yep. And so I think that's the biggest thing is like, just if somebody offers to help, take them up on it 
You don't need to know how they're going to help you. That's why you're going. Um, you don't have to lead the conversation. You're going to say, so what did you think you could help? Like, what it, tell me more about what you do and what was it you thought might be good for me? Like, and then just let them talk. Um, and Which then, people love to do. Yes, exactly. And, and they'll then, like you more for it. They will. The more you're the person who sits there and is like, oh, wow. They walk away and go, man, I really liked that person. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy how accurate that is in nearly every scenario. Yeah. And then, yes, remember that they are just a person. Like I have met with some pretty high up there people who I did just that. I went in and was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Like, cause in Hollywood also, when you get to a certain level, you take a lot of generals, mm. which is general meetings with people, depending on what you're doing in the industry. Um, which is like general meetings with production companies or producers or things like that. And you're going to go and it's just a chat. And so you have no clue what you're going to chat about. Like scroll deadline that morning, read the headlines in variety and just go. And you're going to talk with people. And at the end, based on how you talked, they're going to say, Oh, I really like that person. So as much, as much as you can be the person who goes, yeah, that's great. Oh yeah. And tell me more. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think there's a balance between just sitting there and not contributing to a conversation and letting them ramble and, and providing them with like nuggets along the way of, you know, showcasing your personality and little bits of what you know, without taking over the conversation. Yes. And then with that, I would say, I think the other thing, a lot of people when they're job searching, um, the thing they do that's to their detriment is they get so desperate for a job that they don't say what they really want. Mm-hmm. So when they meet with somebody and they go, well, what are you interested in? The person says, what are you interested in? They go, I mean, you know, I just really like the industry and you know, whatever would be great. Well, when you say that, I don't know where to put you. Right. It's not even that you don't have a preference. It's that you just made more work for that person to right. try and rack their brain of all possible openings for you. Right. And when you do that, like they're probably not going to have one because they don't know what you'd be good for. But when you sit down and say, you know, I'm, I realize I really love children's programming and I know that's strange, but like, I would love to work for Disney XD or Nickelodeon, then they go, oh, you know what? I have a friend who actually just moved over from this company to Disney. But if you never said that, if you said, oh, you know, I'd really just be happy doing anything in the entertainment industry or even just anything in production, they don't know what to do with it's you. It's too big of a field. It's the same yeah. when you meet somebody, when you're networking. This is one of the biggest mistakes people make when they go to like a networking event or just meeting anybody anywhere at a party or whatever. They, you know, when somebody says, oh, so what do you do? For the people that do a lot of things or consider their, themselves multi-passionates, mm-hmm. that's that moment of panic where they're like, I don't know which thing to say. So they say, I don't know. I do like a lot of stuff and, you know, and that's, that's okay to do a lot of stuff. But I always say, when you're when you kind of have a general idea of who you're going to potentially meet have an intro for yourself ready to go yes that can because people if you don't tell them how to classify you in their brain yep. you go in the miscellaneous bin and they don't know what to do with you they can't help you if they if you're a generalist and even if you are you still got to give your give them something to like attach to you you know yes completely yes so it's weird. Cause I do say like, go in with no expectations to the conversation. But at the same time, the like flip side of that is 
know the message you want to get across. Absolutely. And I think that's the same thing. Like, this is the role I want them to see me in, or this is the identity I want them to walk away with of like, she's well-spoken and outgoing and could definitely work in casting. Like what, because you've said, I would love to do casting and here's why I think I'd be good at it. Like, You've got to have something to that effect. Yeah. No, otherwise you're going to be in that miscellaneous bin and nobody can help you there. Yes. And then going with what you said about like kind of special rules with entertainment, um, I don't want this to take a super dark turn, but with all the sexual harassment stuff that's come out, I've had two people, two females just this week alone, and not that this only happens to females because it happens to males too, um, that got in some precarious situations uh, in this sort of networking thing. And I don't want to say you can't network with someone of the opposite sex, but I will say figure out what your boundaries are to stay safe. So meet in public, meet in broad day. I wouldn't do a drinks with a man you've just met. I also wouldn't do drinks with a man you've met maybe once already, because from what I'm starting to see is they start getting the wrong impression that maybe you don't need help. Maybe you're interested in other ways. And it's sad to have to do this, but I would rather people be smart about it and like still, and get the information they need than put themselves in awkward situations. Don't walk to an, don't like, if they say, Hey, let's take a walk down to another store. Nope. You came here for information about a job to get to know more about the industry or more about what they do, get that information and go. Unless you are interested, in which case it won't change boundaries. But like have have some guidelines of how you're going to do it. Maybe, and I'm not trying to put, I'm, those are suggestions. I am not trying to tell people exactly what it is for them, but just be smart about it. Is it broad daylight only? Is it, I only have one drink when we go out? Um, is it... I will Uber there and back so no one has to walk me to a car. That's smart. Any of those sorts of things. And it's a shame to have to talk about it, but it's become so prevalent. And like I said, two people this week alone, that it's just starting to make me go, this is something that now needs to be talked about when thinking through these things. So that is what, and once again, not that that goes just to entertainment, but it's been brought up so much in Hollywood lately that it's definitely, it's pervasive right now in the industry. Right. And it, you know, I'm glad it's all being talked about and hopefully that means, you know, in the relatively near future, it won't have to be called out specifically for entertainment. Yeah. Fingers crossed. And it definitely happens in other industries too, but probably not at the rate as it does. Yeah. 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 So I want to go back real quick to, you know, I love that you knew you wanted to get in entertainment. You were fascinated by it, but immediately didn't like the educational path that was going to be required to get in. So you went with the business route. And I think that's something people forget is an option. Um, So I was originally a journalism major in undergrad, took my first reporting class and said, hell no, this sucks. I'm not doing this. (laughs) Yeah. And my reporting professor said to me, he's like, listen, anybody can be a reporter or journalist or a writer. Not anybody. You have to have natural abilities to some extent. But he said, don't get a degree in it. Get a degree in something that you're really interested in and then write about that. And I feel like you did that by getting into business and then taking a business mind into the entertainment industry. Yes. 
So I think that's always a good thing to keep in mind is, you know, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be as obvious as like getting a degree in the thing you're going to do. I think it's really cool when you can figure out what you're naturally good at or inclined to do Mm -hmm. and get really good at it and then take those skills to whatever industry you're also curious about and then apply them there so that you can be incredible. You could be an incredible accountant in any industry ever. Right. Right. So people that are like, oh, I really want to get into this, you know, the sports world. Like I want to be in sports. It's like, cool. What are you good at? Go do that in the sports industry in any capacity. Right. Well, because everyone forgets like every studio is basically a small city. So if you're a doctor who loves movies, you can be the doctor at Paramount. If you are, I mean, they have one. So if you are the, if you are an accountant, go be an accountant for a film studio. Um, But I mean, even on a more basic level, like if you are a liberal arts major, you can do anything. Like that is just great critical thinking skills that they would be lucky to have in their promotions department, in their programming department. And that's why it's not just about your degree. It is about who you know. So it's just about getting in front of the right people to tell them why your liberal arts degree is so great towards entertainment or towards sports, et cetera. Um, No, I work with a lot of people who want to go into something like either sports or like Music festivals are two that come up a lot. Mm. And there's not, well, for sports, there are certain degrees like sports management on your school. Uh, There's plenty of jobs in sports that there's no sports major to go to. Mm -hmm. So it is just about figuring out like, well, these are the things I'm good at. Now go look at all the sporting arenas and sports teams and look at their job boards and see what jobs are open and what do those people do? And does that job sound interesting to you? Now go talk to somebody who does it. Yeah. The inter- informational interview, it keeps coming up as a, such a good idea for not only figuring out if it's actually something you'd be interested in, because you don't know from a job description what no. it really means to have that job. No. And for just making connections in a space that you don't have connections in. Right. So, and I think that's what scares people is like, well, but I don't know anybody there. Right. So how do you find somebody and how do you get yeah. them to respond to you? How do you get them to take a chance or a coffee? Because I hate... Like, I will be honest, when people just randomly, like strangers ask me for coffee, it feels like, but what I, I'm, but like, that's, uh, uh, and I get kind of, I don't know, weird about it. Cause it's like, that's yeah. a lot of time investment. Of so course. is there a step pre coffee is a call acceptable? Like yes. or in, even just an email exchange? Yeah. So there's a couple of things I would say. One is you probably know more people than you think you do. So I tell everyone, start with a list of 10 people you know that are in some way remotely related to what you want to do. And that can be down to like, if your best friend has a part-time job at the movie theater and you want to work in film one day, that person still counts. It seems like they wouldn't, but do they sometimes deal with all the movies coming in, have they had to talk to studio management who sends the movie? Have that conversation with the friend who then can connect you to the person at the studio. Same with people, like the other basic example I always give is people who are like, oh, I would love to work in cosmetics. 
do you, do you know someone who works at Sephora? Right. Because that counts. Like they work with trainers who come in from every company. So why not talk to that person? So first off, people, you know, also you'd be shocked. Like those are really entry level examples. It is so surprising how many people I sit down with and I, they'll say, I had some, this is the classic. I had somebody who wanted to work in fashion. And I'm like, think of anyone you know, remotely related. And I started giving the basic examples, like even someone who works retail at the mall. And he's like, no, I don't know anybody. He goes, well, my brother's girlfriend did do an internship last semester at Burberry. (laughs) I don't know. I think you know somebody. I know somebody. What? So First off, start with people you know, and that can be loosely. That can be the brother's girlfriend. That can be your cousin's best friend that you only see every year at his birthday party. Well, like, honestly, the fine. second degree connections I find are they're the less ones intimidating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, you know them through somebody, so they don't owe you anything. You no. don't have to feel uncomfortable, like, you know, opening yourself up and being vulnerable to them. Totally. And they're the ones that are actually going to get you in the door. Yes. So use those. Yes. So that's why I say start there. Also, because they're more likely to connect with you because you say, hey, I'm so-and-so's cousin. And they don't want to have to tell their friend, no, I didn't tell your cousin I'd have coffee with them. Sorry. Like, so they're, they're loose enough that, yes, you can actually share, but mm-hmm. they're close enough that they feel a little bit of obligation. Which is fine. And leverage yes. that. And then yes. on the flip side don't forget that when people ask you for a connection or an informational interview, because it will happen at some point in your career, most likely somebody's going to want advice from you. And even if you feel like, well, what do I know? You probably would know way more than that person. So don't forget it comes back around. It definitely does. Good networking karma. Yes. Um, So I say start there. Second is use LinkedIn, use secondary connections on LinkedIn. And when you do that, it's a two-step process. Uh, First, send the connection request with just a note, quick note that says, introducing yourself, hi, I'm so-and-so, and and why you're writing. Um, Always do a note. Hi, so, you know, hi, Bailey, uh, saw you work in programming at Warner Brothers. I am um, an assistant at CAA right now, but I'm really looking at getting into the studio side. I would love to connect. Okay, great. Now I'm more likely to connect with you because I know exactly why you're writing me. Once they've hit connect, then send the message. So big things on sending a message, either by email or messenger in LinkedIn, um, talk right like you are talking politely. So don't get all formal and like, dear Ms. Bailey, I was wondering, you know, like, no, just say, hi, thank you so much for accepting my request. As I had mentioned, I'm really interested in getting into this area. Um, this might be a long shot since we've never met, but by any chance, could I take you to coffee? I would love to just get some advice or hear more about what you do. Uh, and then this is the out I give, going to what you were asking before. Uh, I understand you're probably very busy, so if that's too much, even 10 minutes on the phone to just ask two questions would be great. And nobody's gonna say no to that. And here's my thing is, if they do, because I think you will get a no here and there, or, or even more, you'll get somebody who just never answers. Yeah, that hurts. 
it's not you. It right. took me 10 years to realize this. And I think this is what makes us all scared, right? Like, I don't know if I want to send the email because what if they say no? And what if I don't write it right? And what if I sound rude? Or what if they think I'm impolite? Whatever. Majority of the time, it is they're too busy. Maybe they have a policy. Maybe 18 people do this. Even with people who are friends, maybe they don't do it for you because if they did it for you, then they have to do it for Tom's son and this person's kid and that guy. So you don't know what their reasoning is. Or one thing we never think about, maybe they didn't get it. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people don't check their LinkedIn. Maybe they don't check their LinkedIn. Or maybe they're not checking their emails. Maybe an assistant is and they're just filtering it. Right. And so it's like, if you get a no or if you get a non-response, just keep on moving. Do not take it personally. Do not think you are dead to them. Because the weird part is that stuff will come back around. That person who didn't even answer you will one day need an assistant and go, Oh, where was that guy who wanted to meet with me? And they will dig up your email that they never responded to. That is actually, I've done that. I've been guilty of having good intentions. And it's again, a form of procrastination. I'm like, oh, I want to give a thoughtful response to this person. So I'm going to wait till I have a minute to write it. And then just, it gets buried and you forget. And then there are times I kid you not, I'll be laying in bed and I'm like, oh my God, I never responded to that LinkedIn that I swear to God. And I'm like, I'm a horrible person. I'm going to go respond in the morning. I'm going to take care of it. Right. Or like I'll respond in the middle of the night being like, I'm really sorry. This is not me. I'm, I'm so like, it just, people are people. They're yeah. still people. Yep. Yep. And More so I think that's the thing to realize, like if they do say no or don't answer, that's why. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. the same. I work a lot in collaborations and partnerships and I always teach people if somebody doesn't respond, assume that they meant to, but wanted to give a good response, which is usually my excuse. Um, Or they're so busy that it just got swept under the rug and they just kind of forgot about it. I, with partnerships, I always say follow up in two weeks and just say, Hey, wanted Mm -hmm. to check back in. If you're Mm -hmm. not the right person to chat with, that's okay. Can you connect me? If this is all too much or not in your zone, no worries. Have a great week. And I find that two week later response or follow up usually one of two things happens. They still don't respond, which in that case, you're in no worse off place than you were before. Or they respond within minutes and they're like, I'm so sorry. I meant to write back and I just forgot. So, you know, worst case, do you recommend like following up on a situation like that? I say, yeah, I say do at least one follow-up. Like, and this is where like you have to gauge it. Some people, it might be a week. Some people, it might be two weeks. Some people, it might be a month. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's it. I had somebody the other day who said they had met someone in person and like hit it off with the person in the industry and had said, you know, I'd love to get coffee. And the person in the industry said, yes, let's do that. That'd be great. So she connected on LinkedIn said, yeah, I'd love to get coffee soon. Person never wrote back and she followed up again and they never wrote back. And I'm like, we're in a weird season right now. Like, they could just be busy with things. What I told them to do was send one more note um, because it's the holidays. So yeah. like say, hey. It's a great excuse. Just wanted to say, like, I'm, I'm sure you're too busy. Just want to say have a happy holiday and I'm going to connect back in the new year and we'll see how it goes then. Like, you know, I'll connect then and we can try and figure out coffee at that point. Yeah. Because like, the person said they would do it. Right. So they're just busy. 
My favorite holiday excuse for following up is, hey, before we go into hibernation for the holidays, I just wanted to ping you one last time. If it doesn't work out before the end of the year, let's chat like second week of January. Because yeah. know also the people that follow up like January 1st, you're like, okay, easy. I'm just yeah. coming out of hibernation. Yeah. I'm not ready for this yet. No. And you're no. more likely to get buried, I feel like, in that first week back after yes. a break than you are if you wait a couple weeks. Yes, I agree. But it is hard. I mean, because you are dealing, when you're trying to get these informational interviews or connections, you're dealing with a whole bunch of variables that you're, you have no idea about. Yep. You know, you don't know what's going on in their lives. You don't know what's going on at work. I had a really interesting situation where I connected with somebody. We actually had multiple calls. We were talking about working on a project together and um, he went away on a vacation and it was, it was all set. It was like, let's check, check back in in August. I checked back in. Hey, following up. Can't wait to keep, you know, keep this conversation going. Nothing. And mm -hmm. I found that to be weird. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll follow up later. I waited three weeks. I was like, hey, still, you know, are you still interested in keeping this conversation going? I don't want to be a bother. I just want to yeah. make sure that whatever, nothing. So then I let a month go by and I was like, hey, final, <laughs> final check in here. Yeah. I'm going to assume that you've got a bunch of other stuff going and it's not a priority anymore, which is fine. Just wanted to give it one final shot. It was great chatting while we did. You know, it was kind of like yeah. my, hey, this can be yep. goodbye. Yep. I'm never going to email you again, but like I'm here one more, one more time. So I still to this day don't know what happened. And I, you know, I've moved on. Yeah. <laughs> but it was strange because people are just people. No, totally. In no, I have somebody I used to work with that moved jobs closer to where I am now. And when that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, we should get coffee. Wrote back immediately. We should totally get coffee. That'd be great. Took me a little bit to write back because people are people. Mm -hmm. Wrote him back and was like, sorry, I dropped the ball. Let's get coffee. Never heard. Checked again a couple months later. And I'm like, I know. And still haven't heard anything. And I'm like, I know it's not me. I know he has a really busy job. And I'm probably not priority at this point. Right. And it's just like, you just have to go with that. You got to go with it. Right. And I think anytime you are communicating with somebody we all take the first person perspective, right? Well, how, how do they feel about me? They must hate me. I must've done something wrong. Like I messed this up. And I think when you come from it, from a place of empathy and mm -hmm. assuming the best, you know, mm -hmm. for them and assuming like totally. it just is out of their scope right now. And, you know, yes, it would always be nice to get something back saying, Hey, sorry, not going to happen right now. Let's check back in in six months. Even yeah. but you're not always going to get that. You're usually not going to get that. It's very true. So just, pack up and move along and it's going to be fine. Which is why I tell people, be the person who responds immediately. Yeah. Be like, the person you wish other people yes. were to you. Because also, so two people I've worked with that I'm like, not, not paid worked with, but like talked with, done things with, um, are the executive producer of Jimmy Kimmel and the executive producer of Ellen. When I've written them and I am a nobody to these people, right? When I have written them, they have written back immediately, like not even 24 hours, wow. same day. And to me, I go, if the executive producer of Jimmy Kimmel can get back to me, who he can look at and go, I've got no skin in this game. Right. She's, she's not a connection I need for this, that, or the other. And yet still goes, 
I'm going to get back to this person on time. Like that says Ian. So if he can get back to people, we all can get back to people. Yeah. And I think <laughs> the procrastinator in us will do that. Give yourself the excuse of, I'm going to give a really thoughtful response. Yes. Here's the other thing with that. I will say, I get a lot of emails that are like four paragraphs long and are asking a bunch of different things. Time is money. And to me, that makes more work for me to have yep. to sit down and respond. So on the sending end, if you can be as clear and concise yep. to the damn point right away and have no more than like one question that that person has to respond to, you are upping your likelihood of getting responded to way quicker. Very true. Very true. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So be a good communicator, be a good responder, yes. assume the best and don't take it personally. I think yes. that's our, our key takeaways yes, for communication. <laughs> okay. So final thoughts on if you are somebody, well, two perspectives here, because I hear this a lot. If you are somebody that's maybe many years into your career, five, yeah. 10, 15, and you haven't worked in entertainment, but it's always been on your career bucket list. And you're like, I just think it'd be cool to try. This happens to yeah. me every once in a while because I live in LA. I'm like, yeah. am I missing out by not being part oh, of yeah. Should I yeah, at yeah. least do something? And I usually inevitably find up quickly that no, no, you don't belong there. That is right. not your zone. But for the people that want to even try, I think there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of feelings out there that it's too late unless you got in at 20 as a PA, you know, on a show, you're never getting in. Is it possible? And if so, how do you go about that? So it is possible. I think you have to be realistic. Be ready to take a pay cut because it's going to happen. Entertainment does not pay as well as everyone thinks it does. Until you're uh, at the top. Right. right. But very few people are at this. There's plenty of people that are in this area. And this is what I would say I was in. I was in that middle level of, I had a great job and it paid for a one bedroom apartment that was in a gated place with a parking spot, which in LA is a really big deal. Yeah. And, you know, and you so living. right. And so <laughs> that's what I think people need to know is like, that's that middle. You can get a good job that will pay nice, but don't think because you see someone's credits name on the credits, that all those people are making bank because they're not. Um, and so, and especially in the beginning, you will take a pay cut. You're just going to, because you are probably going to have to start over a little bit. Now, if you are in PR, but it's in healthcare and you'd love to do PR at a studio, you can probably make more of a lateral move. You're not going to go. So all those do exist. Down. They do exist. Lateral moves. Okay. Yes. But if you're like, you know, I've been a veterinary technician for five years and I really, I've just always wanted to be in Hollywood, you can do it, but you're going to take that pay cut and you're going to go be an office assistant or a PA, but you're a person with experience and you're probably going to move up the ladder a lot faster because I think we forget that people have to see you in the position and see that you're responsible and you show up on time and you get your stuff done before everybody else. Mm -hmm. And then they go, Oh, you know what? That position opened. Let's just put them over there. I mean, I did a temp job for two days as a scheduler and the morning of day two, they said, this is before I went and got my degree. Um, the morning of the second day, they said, do you want to stay and be a, a coordinator? Like they already bumped two days. So it's just sometimes you have to be put in it. You've got to prove yourself um, once you're yes. there. The other thing I would say for people who want to make the jump is 
if you can temp, I would start joining staffing agencies and temping at entertainment staffing agencies as much as possible. Interesting. Yes. So I think we all have heard of temp agencies and know about, and they, I think, would want to be called staffing agencies. Um, but they are a great way to get your foot in the door at places that probably wouldn't look at you on paper. That's such an interesting backdoor route. To, I mean, and would you say that that's the case for any industry? I think it could be. Um, I don't have as, I would say with anything with media and communications, yes. Uh, so like advertising, PR, because there are um, anything with graphic design, there are staffing agencies that are only for those areas. Hmm. And there are staffing, in case people don't know, like there are staffing agencies only for entertainment. And some of those are independent and some of those are on studio lots. Hmm. And you can find all this on the internet. Um, there are websites that have all the phone numbers to call and say, I want to join your staffing agency. You know, how do I apply? I would say the thing is you have to figure out how to position yourself that they want to bring you along. So you need to say, Hey, I know I've been a veterinary tech for five years, but I really want to get into the industry in that role. I also managed uh, the schedule for the entire office and answered the phones, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I'd be happy to do receptionist work or office admin work. And then they can send you out for stuff. And I'm not going to say it's going to happen immediately, but things will come up. And so they can send you out. And now you're at an agency, like a CAA, a UTA for a day or two. And now they've met you. And when they need somebody for the mailroom, they call you. Um, or when they need a new HR assistant, they think of you. Um, same thing happens with production studios, all of it. And so it's a, if, if you really want to make the jump, I would say find like a part-time job waiting tables and whatever, and then join, and you can join all the staffing agencies, join them all and start doing that to start getting your name out there and building that resume because it's not like it has to say receptionist Warner Brothers television department uh and then say volts or um Randstad temping it just says you don't have to put the temp agency Warner Brothers oh man i mean i think that's probably some of the most valuable advice because for people trying to make an industry switch or a role switch, that's the number one thing I get asked is, well, how do you get people to give you a chance? You know, how do you get people to even look at your resume if you don't have any experience in that? And here's your answer. This is one of many routes that you can take to start getting little bits of experience to at least show you're willing to make sacrifices to make this happen. I think, you know, that happens a lot where people aren't really willing to take a pay cut or they're not willing to start over. Yeah. And that just shows that you're actually not that interested then. Yeah. Which is fine. It's good That's to know. Fine. Yep. Totally fine. No, I, um, I work with a lot of people in Orange County and they want to work in film, but they don't want to go to LA. And I'm like, well, that doesn't matter. So you don't want to work I'm in like, then you don't want to work. Then it's just something you enjoy, just like how I enjoy reading fashion magazines, but I don't want to be in fashion. Like, right. it's like you don't want it bad enough. I'm like, if you don't have – that is a big thing for entertainment. If you don't have the hunger for it, it's not for you. I have people who take 
two buses and walk to get to their internship at Paramount every day. So if you're not willing to do that, then maybe it's not for you. And that's fine. We can, like you said, we can use your skills and values and all those things you're good at in your personality and put them towards something else. Right. That you are willing to go all in on. Right. And I think the thing people often forget too about, and this goes back to following your passion. Not every passion is something that you want to do full time. Generally, yeah. passions are things you love doing in little bursts. Yep. And it's completely fine to keep some things as hobbies or side projects. Everything yep. doesn't have to be your full-time gig. Mm -mm. Your passion doesn't have to make you money. Plus, if you squash your passion and make it work for you, then you run the risk of no longer being interested in it. And now you don't yes. even have a side hobby. <laughs> yep. It's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cassandra, this was so good. Thank you so much. I feel like you know, I know so many people that have over the years expressed interest in getting into entertainment and this is going to be so valuable just to learn a little bit more about how to actually do that in a way that doesn't feel insurmountable and also makes you realize whether you're willing to go the distance or not. And then all of the great communication advice on reaching out to people, getting responded to, and then being a good communicator yourself, that goes for everything, you guys. Like that goes across any industry, career, personal, it doesn't matter. Don't forget. Well, yes, thank you please. so much. Super appreciate you. And we'll link to everything in the show notes uh, that Cassandra mentioned. And yeah, have a great day. Thanks. Bye.